Okay, uh, this, I have to say, this is like a bucket list thing for me, and I have to give a shout out to my wife, Terry. She's been thinking about this idea for a long time. We have have two people that love each other and hate each other philosophically. I don't think that's true. There's no hating each other. There's no hating? And I don't even think philosophically Philosophically, we're that... You know, there was a time when there was a uh, disagreement between us philosophically. Now there's no more daylight there. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. (laughs) Well, well, let's dig into this time. Is this a scoop? Like, when did you guys hate each other? I don't think we ever really did. I used to be uh, much more uh, aggressive and closed-minded about religion, and I was wrong. And uh, several things changed my mind. I mean, it would be better for the podcast to put it all on Glenn, but it wouldn't quite be the truth. It had to do with, um, with doing the show bullshit. And I pitched it in a rather cynical way. I said that um, there'd be people that hated us, but they'd still watch the show. And that they could, you know, Showtime could cash in on that. Then we started doing the show. And we did a couple of um, very brutal shows uh, about, uh, about Christianity. You picked on Mother Teresa. Well, no, that's later. later. The, the, the story I'm telling. You wailed on her. The story I'm telling, though, is about this particular thing. And we get letters, you know. And we got letters from Christians. And the Christian letters um, just filled my heart with such respect. It would say stuff like, you know, uh, Dear Penn, I could not disagree with you more. Uh, I've lived my life in Christ, da 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 da, da. but I, uh, I love the show. I respect you speaking your opinion. I'm very glad to listen to it. You gave me a lot to think about. Um, uh, I love you. Maybe your mind will change on Jesus. Sincerely, yours in Christ, da da da, da. Hundreds of those. And the letters that were actually what I would call hate letters as opposed to disagreement letters, were so few. And that just overwhelmed me. By the way, not true for the 9-11 truthers, not true for the chiropractors, not true, <laughs> not true for the Muslims. And I'll also say, oddly, because of one person, uh, not true for the Catholics. Yeah. Um, oddly. But uh, that's because of, there's this thing called the Catholic League, which is one guy. Mm-hmm. And one guy in, in the garage can make a group of people look bad. But during that, it was a real transformation for me because I went, wow, first two, time, two can play this game. First time, <laughs> we, first time we met each other. I mean, I've always, Penn doesn't know this, but I introduced him at a show in the 90s. I was a stupid DJ. And, uh, and I think you were on my show back in Baltimore. And then maybe we were backstage. Maybe I introduced you guys or not. I don't remember, but I was backstage. You were wicked drunk. <laughs> and it was it was I was I've always been impressed with his intellect um, and how he just turns over every stone and does 10 times the amount of work than the average human. And um, and so I finally when I went to CNN, I got him on and I, I remember it being a great interview. I don't know if yeah, you even it was, remember. It was really it. Great. Yeah. And, and surprisingly great because many of my friends said, don't go on Glenn Beck's show. You, you understand. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I did Not because, Fox, CNN. Because, Do you yeah, remember the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And Glenn, Glenn Ally said, you two are going to... My manager yeah. said, you two are going to do great. Yeah. And I, I trusted him as I always have. Yeah. And it was great. And uh, but do you remember? You I remember, do. I yeah. do you, I'll let you tell it so you can embarrass me. No, no, no. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't mean this at I all. I just want to... I, I want to tell how remarkable he is. 
um, we had a great time. And I said, hey, next time you're in town, you know, maybe be on again or, you know, give a shout or something. And he said something along the lines of, I would never have you in my house. And I said, why? And he said uh, something along the lines of religion is deadly or poison or something like that. And, uh, and I was just shocked. I was shocked. And I think, I, I think I may have said it. I know I thought it. I, I, I think I said, you know, I've, I've thought a lot of things about you, but I never thought of you as a bigot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he left. And uh, I, I was trying to, I wanted, you know, the whole time, um, especially high school, um, I was surrounded by drugs, alcohol, and religion. And I did, and to a certain extent still do, I say that with respect, clump those together. It was, it was, it was a way to not deal with a directness that I was interested in. And uh, uh, the reason, one of the reasons I didn't go to college, although I was, I was offered certain financial help and scholarships and so on, was I would say to my guidance counselor, send me to a place where I don't have to have any drugs, any alcohol, and are not religious. And they said, there's just not a place like that. Right. There just isn't a college you can find like that. And I said, my house will be that place. Mm-hmm. And I had that in my mind as just this uh, kind of aspirational thing with no idea that that would hurt people. And the and I, this is going to be a, a comparison that um, at first blush may seem not flattering and is absolutely more flattering than anything I could say to you. And that is, I once, you know Christopher Hitchens? Mm-hmm. Christopher Hitchens was a heavy-duty drinker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher Hitchens was drinking all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Christopher Hitchens came over my house to see a movie. Mm-hmm. And he walked up on the porch, and he had a bottle of Jack Daniels in his hand. And I said, I never had any liquor in this house. I never had anybody have any liquor in the house. It's the one place where that's mm-hmm. not going to be. And Hitchens stood there and held the bottle in his hand. And he said, well, I don't want to offend your religion. And I said, well, it's not mm. really that. It's just there's always been this place that I didn't have to deal that's with. That's safe. That. And he stood there with the bottle in his hand. And uh, he said, are you going to stop me from going into your house? And I said, and it's really important that you understand, I said this honestly, I said, I don't know. And he said, if I take another few steps, are you going to stand in my way going into your house? I said, I don't know. And we looked at each other for a really long time, and I had no idea what was going to happen. That's so rare. I didn't even have a branch or a tree. And he took the Jack Daniels, and he put it down on the porch and said, I'll pick that up on my way out. And gave me this huge hug. That's great. And we walked in together. And that was all part of all of this falling apart with me. Uh, I just had this idea that I was going to set up this one little corral around me. And although it seemed, and uh, I don't think I can ever explain this enough to justify it, it seemed pure inside me. And I wasn't aware I think, of how it seemed outside. But I think, because we talked about this before, one of the things that 
you told me afterwards was 9-11 screwed me up. And I put all of you guys in the same mm-hmm. basket. Mm-hmm. And that I understood. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I will tell you, um, I think I wrote to you in between yeah. um, because I so respect you. And, we, and, I, and, and I think, I mean, I, I need to say this. I did turn around on this fairly quickly. You did. You did. Fairly quickly. You did. But it was an awful thing. And it's so weird to see something that's, that's that appalling that you did and having it feel right at the time and then a whole different shift. You he know? told me he hated himself the minute you were on the elevator. You, yeah. were, you were like, that That was wrong. Um, but, but sometimes, you know, one of the things that but happens... But we're all in different places at different times. Also, one of the things that happens um, is, uh, and, and as a, um, I, I guess I'm going to speak for you this way, I'm, I'm sure you'll correct me, but as a Mormon, you also have this. Uh, when you live outside the mainstream, you know, uh, you end up uh, uh, getting prickly, you know, I, I have a right to this too. And sometimes mm-hmm. it crosses over mm-hmm. the 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 other way, you know. Uh, when I was when I was in school and afterwards, especially playing comedy clubs and doing this, just everybody pounding down the beers, everybody smoking dope, everybody talking about a higher power, all constantly ever, and me kind of over in the corner, um, feeling left out of all that, mm-hmm. and also feeling that I didn't want to be in it. Mm-hmm. But still feeling left out, mm-hmm. um, I, 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 end, I ended up. Uh, it's that it's that mistake that I hate so much. Where uh, you know you're you're a junior in high school and you hate that they won't let you at the seniors' table, and then you get to be a senior and you do the same thing. I don't ever want to do that, but I have a few times, and I I, I don't feel good about it. We all do. <laughs> we all do. This is precisely why I wanted you guys on the show because I feel like your journey. Um, is a, is a metaphor for what this country is going through tonight. So I, 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 I here's the here's the key though. I ask honest questions, and I want the real answer wherever it falls. I, that's the answer that I found, and that's what I believe is true. If you have better evidence, share it with me. I will change my position if that's what the the truth is is leading me to he i believe is the same same way i'm not sure there are a lot of people in i mean in 350 million you know we'd be lucky if there were 20 million people we also right have, now. have gotten to the point of view and, and once again i don't want to center this around hitch but hitch wrote very eloquently about this um in some cases changing your mind uh, you're more attacked for than being wrong. Oh, big time! And uh, right now you are. I, I, a lot of times, and I, I, I often, I will often. Uh, you let down your tribe. What's that? You let down your tribe. Yeah. But your tribe should be truth. Yeah. Your tribe shouldn't be. Well, as you know, as I said, tribe one or seven billion. You know, speak for yourself or, or, or your everybody, and that whole idea of uh, sides. And, and battlefields and all of that uh, make me more uncomfortable, more uncomfortable all the time. And the thing we have to remember as we're trying to fix things is, is with all of the stuff in the media uh, telling us uh, how bad things are, and, and they're, they're, it's all true, um, 
Meanwhile, at an absolute base level, things keep getting better. Uh, and it's, it's astonishing. We have fewer people starving today than 100 years ago in real numbers, not percentages. Dramatically. Dramatically. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. That's all you need to say. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there are fewer children that will go to bed hungry tonight. There's still, is one too many? Yeah, 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 yeah. But <laughs> yeah. we, we, we got to say that. And, you know, someone, uh, someone came up and uh, shoved a phone in my face and I have to ask you one question. Where are we going to be in 20 years? We're going to be socialist? We're going to do it? I said, well, we only know one thing, and that is things will be better. We don't know what you'll be most annoyed about. <laughs> we don't know what the chatter will be, but we know that at a base level, there will very likely be less suffering. Maybe not for you, but for the whole world, there'll be less suffering. So I don't know, I don't know where, um, where things are going, but I, one of the things, we talked about this uh, a little bit with your, your talk about media, I think it's a lot to do with, um, with just evolution and how people are made, have, have become for the, all the time of life, mammals, on Earth, um, biggest problem was too few calories. And now for the past, pick a number, 50 years, mm-hmm. for a very small number of people, the problem becomes too many, car- too many calories. Yeah. And simultaneously, we have, for all of human existence, the problem has been too little information. The amount of information that someone on the Savannah would have gotten is much less than the amount of information the New York Times in one day. And now we have so much information that it's kind of like calories. Mm-hmm. Picking, the, picking the healthy ones and how much you want and making real decisions on that is not something human beings can do overnight. Maybe not in a generation. Maybe not in a couple generations, but you know, there's always this um, feeling that when advertising first, you said this uh, backstage beautifully, uh, when advertising first hits, um, first TV ads and so on, they go to a different culture and do that. Everybody believes it, mm-hmm. just yes. And then right now, you have a very high percentage of people who don't believe infomercials. <laughs> they just go, mm-hmm. that's just bullshit. Mm-hmm. Whatever they're advertising, mm-hmm. just go, nah, that mm-hmm. doesn't really clean mm-hmm. windows and put food in the drawers. That, 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 and they don't bother calling in. And I think we're going to start seeing that on stuff like um, attacks on Twitter that are just instant. You know, I read a book. I don't remember which one it was. It was a, a novel recently. And uh, it was somebody developed a, a program where they could uh, say the worst thing about this individual, unlimited. I mean, it just, it, it was viral and just tore this individual apart to, to shreds. Uh, and the theory was, because once you've said everything, the worst, call this person everything, none of it is believed. And, yeah. and that's one of the things that, you know, we're, we, we, we don't believe in anything anymore. We're starting not to trust anything. Um, and unfortunately, because of you know, the way humans have evolved, we, have, we had to have tribes. We couldn't stand alone or you wouldn't survive. The weakest would be 
you know, excommunicated from the tribe and you're gone. So it's built into us to have these tribes, especially when we're afraid. Um, but now we're not even, we don't even, we're, we're demolishing the tribes, which is in a way a good thing, but we don't, we're not trusting each other. We're not, we, we, we can't have a conversation. If I disagree with you on one thing, I have to hate you. Yeah. Well, it's also the, the, the uh, we've talked about this so many times before, but the difference between evil and wrong yeah. is uh, the idea that someone says something you don't agree with and therefore they are evil uh, as opposed to simply wrong. Your wrong is such a beautiful thing to be able to say. Uh, your evil can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It ends you know? a conversation. And so many, uh, so much of the stuff you read says, you know, the, uh, the these evil Democrats are trying to bring us socialism. They're trying to destroy our country. They're trying. They're not trying to do any of that. They're trying to help people the best way they can, and they're wrong. Simple. And when you say the Republicans are just trying to take away the health care, they don't care about poor people, da, 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 that's not true either. You know, I try to think that I am wrong. Well, let's round it off always. <laughs> but my intentions are so rarely evil. And I don't think I'm special. So I had uh, George Will on the show a couple weeks ago. And he proposes a theory, he just wrote a book on, on conservatism, which is really sort of a very libertarian version of conservatism. And he, he, he posited the theory, it sort of dropped in, he didn't really build it out, that, that we live in this world where whether or not you get to feed your kids, whether or not you get to put a roof over your head, um, is not really a thing that most people care about anymore because it's a given. And, mm-hmm. and we, we live in a very wealthy country and we just you mentioned earlier that poverty is is dramatically diminished by by capitalism but in this world where we don't worry about poverty we worry about um he didn't say this but we worry about stupid shit mm-hmm. like tribal differences like like all of these arguments we're having today you look at alexandria ocasio cortez and she she you have time to say the name <laughs> it's, it's very i practiced it's it very hard to say but you look at AOC and she, she, she says some ridiculous things, but she didn't grow up in a world where scarcity was an issue. She never worried about whether or not she would eat, where she would sleep. She didn't worry about whether or not she would go to college. That's one of the problems, isn't it, that there is no baseline? Yeah. There is no, there is no wow, you know, can I just say we are so lucky right now as human beings. We're the luckiest people on earth. All 350 million of us just in this country, let alone every place else. There's no better time to live as a human being than right now. We don't set, we don't start conversations with that. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. no baseline. It's just all of it is horrible. Also, they've done these studies. and Boy, I don't want to believe this. Uh, I would love someone to disabuse me of this. But when you're talking about the real people who study happiness... They find out that happiness, uh, in any of you, every metric they can use, has to do with comparing to the people around mm-hmm. you as opposed to yeah. actually where you are. So uh, if you move into a richer neighborhood, you can actually be less happy with even more money. And uh, I, 
I, I always am skeptical of people who, when studies are done fairly rigorously, and then say, well, that doesn't apply to me. I always go, no, they worked on this. You know, you, you have to look at yourself. I try to say, you know, um, uh, David Copperfield has whatever, 20 times the money that I have, uh, much more successful. And I can't feel um, the kind of envy and resentment and sadness from that. But then again, the people actually around me, I'm doing fairly well. And the deal I want to ask someone about, and I wish I could find someone that I felt would really do the soul searching on this. Uh, I'll use as an example, uh, this is fairly unfair, but it just, it's, just a, it's just a symbol that it might maybe easier to speak poetically. If I said to Elizabeth Warren, here's the deal I'm offering you right now. Uh, everybody gets health care, every person. Everybody has enough money to live, living wage, everybody. Everybody can go to college, however you call it, free. You're going to get all that, absolutely all of that. It's done. But every billionaire in the country will increase their money by a factor of 10. They wouldn't do it. Want to take that deal? And, uh, they won't take it. I don't know. We, we don't know. I would like someone that really believed in all that stuff and talks about Because once I'm reading something and you talk about how people need something, You've got me completely on board. When you talk about inequality, I'm not that interested. I care about bringing people up. I don't care at all about what the distance is. And I, I think about that to myself, and I go, well, you know, I'd make that deal instantly. I don't care how much people have. But the idea that, uh, that some people have so much more than others doesn't bother me as much as the people that don't have enough. I actually asked one of my progressive friends on this show about the statistics from the World Bank, uh, you know, an official uh, document of, of what's happening that show that, that, that world poverty is, is literally being eliminated by mm -hmm. capitalism. Global capitalism is, is lifting people out of poverty. Kids aren't starving. Um, people have things like electricity and all the all the things that we've and of course girls going to school yeah mm -hmm. which is the, the the most successful metric you can have mm -hmm. for everything else that's the only number you need is how many girls are going to school a percentage by the way worldwide it's around 90 it's which it was not true 50 years ago mm -hmm. and his but his response and this 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 is why I would predict what what Elizabeth Warren would say is he, he said that's cold comfort to people obsessing about economic inequality. So it there is this this disconnect between those of us that that think that if we could lift people out of poverty and freedom is a way to do that and and freedom and and not worrying about whether or not your kids get to eat that that this is a at least one measure of happiness. Sure. There are certainly others and it's a process and you're Well, you know, you, you come down to that, that that horrible proverb or story where the, uh, where the person says, uh, I will do anything you want for you, but I will do double for your neighbor. Mm -hmm. And you say, blind me in one eye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I'm afraid that a lot of the cases, yeah. that's mm -hmm. it. I mean, if you uh, pick the person, you know, you like the least, whether it's Bezos or whether it's Epstein or whether it's Trump, I, I know Trump is not wealthy, but doesn't matter uh and say well he says he is well yeah yeah i didn't say he didn't say he was <laughs> and say okay we're going to give them all of this you know yeah. and when our system is working properly um and by that i mean hedge funds and stuff like that kind of make this fall apart but it is very very hard 
to make a lot of money without helping other people. Very difficult. And people have done it. You know, there's certain sort of gambling plans mm -hmm. and hedge funds where you're not mm -hmm. really any way that I can see helping. Mm -hmm. But in the big picture, uh, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Bezos, uh, they made our world better by a lot. But does that, does that you could do that on the micro scale. Sure. I'm, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm landscaping uh, the farmhouse that we have. Uh, and I stood out on the porch and there were guys driving, uh, you know, uh, forklifts and tractors, people that are, are, were buying the trees from in, uh, in Oregon. I mean, this whole system is working for, for me. I, I, yeah, I get, the, the, I get all this, but all of these people are employed. I mean, we forget that success it's not only, begets success. It's not only hard to make money without helping other people, it's hard to spend money. Spend money <laughs> without helping people. Yeah. But how do we like? So how do we connect? Um, forget Elizabeth Warren. We're probably well, not. Well, I, I want to say her. again that um, I don't want to be unfair. I was using that poetically as sure. a shorthand. I've never spoken to her. I don't know. Uh, she seems really kind, really smart, really honest. Uh, I think I disagree with her on most everything. Uh, so I'm using her as an example of something, but I don't want to hold her up as some sort of villain. I just want to make that clear. And no, I, I, I want to go. Ba I want to go back and add one thing. The greatest charity is capitalism. The greatest charity is a really well-run business because you get, you make money. The best charity, with an exception of, like, you know, drug cartels, you are, <laughs> you are thinking, how can I make somebody's life easier? How can I make it better? How can I provide this for a mass amount of people? As you are, if, if you are looking as a capitalist, not just at yourself and how can I make money? That's where hedge funds, you know, yeah. they're just, I want to make money. How can I provide something that the world needs? That's great. That's, that's the way to lift people, as Bono has realized. It's not giving the money away. It's capitalism, teaching, selling, bartering, doing things one-on-one. -on -one. As Terry as Terry Pitchard said, uh, build a man a fire, he'll be warm for the night. Set a man on fire, he'll be warm for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what you meant, is it? No, <laughs> not, not really, no. I don't really know where to go with that. <laughs> um, the, the, but the question, like, I don't, I don't want to try to convince Elizabeth Warren, and, and, I, and I accept your premise, and I actually agree with you that that all of my progressive friends, and I've spent a lot of time since my old Tea Party days talking to progressives and, and trying to listen and trying to understand where they're coming from. And I don't expect to convince somebody that spent their entire career being progressive and building their resume and, 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 and sort of working on that, that, that platform that I'm suddenly gonna convince them with these libertarian ideas I have, but their audience, all of the young people that are sort of flirting with democratic socialism all of the young people that are looking at the sort of the red team and the blue team and saying, I don't like any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. But if I got to choose between Donald Trump and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, um, she seems to care a little bit more. Like, but how do we, so how do we connect with them? Uh, you know, I, I, and I've, 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 I've argued this in the skeptic community 
so much, and I, I, I don't think I've ever been understood, and that may simply mean that I'm wrong. Um, but I believe that once your goal is to convince, you've crossed the line to something you shouldn't be doing. Um, I have sat on so many panels, uh, atheist panels, uh, skeptic panels, where how do we convince religious people <laughs> that there's no God? I go, well, the whole question is formed wrong. How do we all look for the truth together? It's a different thing, you know? And and forgive me, I'm using you as an example, and I'm not really accusing you. But when you say, how can I convince my progressive friends um, about libertarianism, my question is, how can your progressive friends convince you yeah. about progressive thing and by the way it, they've moved me on a few things sure, so. of course and that and that's and that's a really really good thing and by the way you know in the um in the 80s i was your um i was your hollywood liberal socialist type and then tim jennison who we made a movie about uh called tim's vermeer about painting um Great. tim jennison just sat one night with me and uh and just beat me up he just kept asking me questions and saying, talking about fairness. I remember him saying to me, uh, do you believe it's fair to punish someone for something they did not do? And I said, well, no. And he said, then how come it's fair to reward them for something they didn't do? And I said, uh, uh, I'll get back to you. <laughs> and it was all stuff like that. And also done very, very, um, he respected me enough to just say, you're wrong. Yeah. No, let, no, you're just wrong. And to go through that, and it took him a while and some books and stuff like that, but I did, I did come around and change in a lot of things, and I think you would have considered me to be um, unchangeable at that point. And uh, right now, you know, I, I find that um, uh, I don't know where where I am now, the, um, the, 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 the lack of empathy and lack of compassion that is just uh, a barrage um, and the team thing. You know, I, I, read the, um, I read the New York Times every day, uh, not because I agree with them, but because that allows me to get, they have, they, they have the integrity mm. that they're going to report a certain way. And I get so disheartened. This is probably always true. You know, we, we pretend that the world is changing a certain way, whereas all that's really happening is we're getting older <laughs> and able to see it. We, we blame personal things on the world. So I'm very aware of that. But so many of the articles talk about, and this is what so-and-so has to do to convince voters. And I go, I'm a voter. This is not inside baseball. It's what does this person believe that they want to tell me. Talk to me personally. I don't care whether Joe Biden has to get working class people on his side in these states. I want him to talk to me. And it was so bothersome when I see these articles about uh, should they try to impeach Trump because that can make him stronger in the next election. If he has done an impeachable offense, you impeach him. That's End why, of story. That's why I think that's why everybody's sick of both sides, because it's just about the game. It's crazy. It's just about it's, winning. Yeah. It's just about winning. And that idea. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if there is an impeachable offense, whether you are the only one who believes it, 
or whether there's a huge group of people that believe it or where it is in terms of strategy, it is, I believe, what you were sworn into office to do. Mm -hmm. If he is not upholding the Constitution, if there are high crimes and misdemeanors, then you make that move. And if that's a bad move for your political career, I'm sorry. You've got to do the right thing. We have all done things that were not the best move in the future. And, of course, the big surprise is you're really often wrong about that. <laughs> We've had a lot of people who've stood up and done the right thing, and it was a stupid move, and lo and behold, it doesn't fall that way. Mm -hmm. They end up really doing good stuff. So my idea is you don't say, when's the right time to impeach? As soon as you've said that sentence, I yeah. can't take you seriously. There's it, no morality behind it. It's a strategic question. I, and you know, our, my friend Justin Amash will be here tomorrow, and and we will see how he's received at Freedom Fest, given mm. that he made that decision. And I believe, I happen to be one of the people that believe that he made that calculus exactly like you described it. <laughs> and and his, his opponents would argue the opposite, that he, he made a political calculation. This is craziness. I, I supported him. I, I, I don't support, um, at, at this point, uh, I mean, I just I think we're just so screwed up, yeah. and I don't know what I'm even going to do, and I don't want to tell anybody else what to do. Um, but I saw him do that, and I thought, and I saw him being beaten up, and I said, so, so, "Wait, this guy has been constitutionally rock solid. I disagree with him on things, and I agree with him on things, and he's been rock solid." And, I support his run, and I said I support his run in 2024. Um, I don't now because I don't think he'll he. I don't think America's ready for that. I yeah. mean, someday yeah. hopefully we will be, um, but that's that's cool. Let him do what he wants to do. Oh my gosh, the world opens up and just swallows you whole. What he's got to be going through, and I don't understand it. He's been standing for the Constitution, and he. What part of of an of an independent spirited uh, guy, a, a, a constitutionally minded guy, you think you're going to agree with him every time? I, I don't. I don't. I just don't get it. And he and he literally doesn't seem to have a home anymore in in no. tribal politics. Um, and it's related back to what you're talking about. And 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 convince is probably the wrong word because it. It sounds cynical, um, and and I will quote the great moral philosopher Jerry Garcia on this, um, who didn't want, I'm getting laughs from the side over here. Um, Jerry didn't want to tell anyone what to do. He had a big community. You know this community very well. Um, I'm trying to turn you on to Jerry Garcia. And I, don't know. I know the community. I really respect the community yeah. and what he built. I just hate the music. I and he was, well, I, I, I'm, once again... Glenn and I are the same person. <laughs> okay, I'm not a deadhead. Yeah. When I mean to tell you how much of a deadhead I'm not, when uh, when uh, Dylan played with the Dead, there's no bigger Dylan fan than me, and that was tough for me. It was tough for me to get through the music <laughs> to hear Bob. Yeah. But I love I love the spirit of it. I love what he was doing. Okay, you're deeply offending me with your and your I love people nearly on, naked spinning in circles. <laughs> I love that. Which? Nearly naked people spinning in circles. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. But my point is, yes, I'm yes. trying to make my point here. Sure. Um, Jerry led this big community, and he very famously didn't want to tell anyone how to live their lives. He didn't want to convince anybody. 
And if, if convince is sort of that cynical political word that you use where you're, you're trying to manipulate people into changing their mind about something, but you can turn people on to a different of course. perspective. And, and that's, that's what I'm sort of getting but at. You, like, but, but I'm talking, the I'm talking motive. But the Grateful Dead lived it. Okay, they lived it. They right. lived who they were. I, I've had several conversations with people in my own faith. They'll say, well, you know, how can we get people baptized? How can we stop? How can we love people? How can we love people? People want to be loved. They want to feel accepted. And they're struggling looking for, for things that will make them happy. Good, just live your life. They will, they will be curious. I have been so curious on how this guy lives his life and is happy and as grounded as he is. We've had several conversations on it. doesn't have anything to do with religion. He said to me at one point, I'm kind of offended that you've never talked to me about Jesus. Well, you got it down, brother. You got it down. He's living a great, he's living a great life. And if we could just, like Jerry Garcia, just live it. Live the principles that you believe. Yeah. And don't eat anything or drink anything backstage or ditch. <laughs> <laughs> Always good advice. Did, did Teller do that? Is that why you're <laughs> arguing that? No, no. no. <laughs> um, so, and, and everyone knows you guys by now, but, but what you just said is everything. And, and earlier today um, on stage, you were quoting Martin Luther King and wondering where that leader was today. Like, where is someone that is sort of going to step outside of their tribe, outside of their religious values, outside of their, their political team, whatever it is, and say, how do we actually reconnect and get along and respect each other and love each other today? So can I tell you something? I met with Billy Graham uh, about four years before he died. He was an amazing guy, just an amazing guy. And I asked him that question. And I said, where's the, where's the Billy Graham? Where's the guy who's going to step up? Billy Graham in the 1960s was right in lockstep with Martin Luther King. I mean, he took some massive, massive risks. And he said, where are they? And he said, not this time. Not this time. It's, it's going to be a whole bunch of little people. We don't need a big leader like that. We, we just need people to start standing up. And that's what's happening. We're seeing it. You know, when when we first were first starting to be friends, I think that was pretty rare, wasn't it? Yeah. It's not so rare now, at least in my circles. Yeah. It's not rare. I'm, I'm meeting people all walk. I had I had one of the the communist uh, uh, 10 that were thro you know, thrown in jail back in the 50s. Um, their daughter was at a speech of mine thinking that she hated me, she came backstage and said, I'll stand with you anytime. And she's, she said, I'm liberal, but you'd consider me a communist? Um, there are things, big things, that we can agree on and come together on. And, and I think we're getting sick of all the pain. And also, we can, we, can, um, we can be nice to each other, go toward the goals, and make a mistake. I mean, if we were to um, have a little more kindness and the whole country shifted more socialist from our points of view, and we could say, okay, and then go, you know, we might want to shift it back the other way now. 
You can try other things. You can use, you can use a laboratory. One of the things that uh, is so interesting about the United States that's fallen away mm -hmm. is the idea was supposed to, we were supposed to have laboratories of states. Yeah. And the, the 10th Amendment has kind of fallen away. But, um, so is the first, second, third. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Six, seven, eight. Yeah, but the maybe is, the third is fine. Yeah. No, but. I don't. No, 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 no. Oh no, let him let him do his third <laughs> rap. Because I always used the Third Amendment as a gag. We all agree on this. We don't care. And then this motherfucker says, <laughs> <laughs> "We were just joking about it backstage." And I said, "May I make the case <laughs> that?" Uh, with the NSA, they are violating the Third Amendment. They are quartering soldiers in our house in peacetime. They are spying and looking at our papers. Is her name Siri? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. It's. I think that's a violation it's of the great. Third Amendment. It's just great. But, you know, even things that um, I feel very, uh, very strongly about, uh, I think it might be okay to have some states... Do very, very different stuff. And we had a problem, you know, with civil rights make a lie of what yeah. I just said. But I'm not sure that we have to do that with everything. It might be interesting to see states go a little further in different directions. And Most play people around. don't know this. Uh, Vermont did uh, uh, Green Mountain Healthcare. What, 2013? Yeah. Like that? yeah. Went full boat. They went all in on it. Horrible disaster. Shouldn't, that's what. The states are for. Try it. Try it. If if that would have worked and would have been a huge success, you don't think that Texas would have said, "Oh, wait a minute, hang on, just a second. Of course, it doesn't. It doesn't work. the The problem with bringing up to the federal level and a lot of and I think a lot of people who uh, look to this as a federal program. It fails in the states because the states can't do the one thing that the federal government can do, print money. Yeah, They could just keep borrowing and printing. States can't do that. So it fails. That's why they always have to kick it up. Then if it fails, rework it, rework it, keep trying. I gladly adop adopt something that worked. You know our friend Senator. And Mike. I would adopt stuff that didn't work. Just to give it a try, providing we can go back on it. Right. And we have this ratchet system where anything that gives anybody money, it then gives them their full-time job stopping that from going away. But we don't do that. It's the, so old, yeah. it's the old Greek um, uh, uh, paradox of the boat. I can't remember. You yeah, probably yeah. know the boat. You're, you're, you're replacing you're one replacing piece. replacing one piece? Is it's it who, the same boat when you get to the other shore? The quick way is it's wand. I got exactly Harry Houdini's wand here. I replaced the middle in both tips. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, that's kind of what we're happening is happening because we're not, we're replacing board after board after board, uh, and we never go back and go, wait a minute, was that a good board? Should we have had that board? And we're not even the ship we started off on, and we don't recognize it, so we don't go back and go, wait a minute, there's a problem. The boat's a little leaky. Yeah, well, it's because you replace these with, you know, screen doors. So I knew going into this that all I had to do was say something and you guys would just <laughs> go. And and this has been awesome, but I want to end it with, with a question. Uh, you were on stage earlier. You guys were together and, and you talked about your sort of 
pathological optimism, mm -hmm. um, dangerous and naive and, and all that. And I want to ask both of you. You can, you can say stupid too. Yeah, you well, you, you did. <laughs> that, that, those are your words and not mine. And I, I tend to be that guy. I'm sort of romantic. I think people figure stuff out and, and things always get better. Um, optimist, pessimist, where are we going in this country? Because if you spend too much time on Twitter today, you think we're all going to die and you know we're all Nazis and everybody uh, hates the, each other. The fact is that when you take away the hysteria, when you take away show business, when you take away politicians, people are doing really, really well. Mm -hmm. And the arguments that we have, like uh, uh, these weird sort of arguments about transgender rights and the weird arguments about this and that, when you come down to one-on-one, -on -one, it's hard to keep those arguments going. We saw that with um, with uh, with gay with gay rights, we saw that um, uh, everybody had a problem with that, and then all of a sudden people started saying they were gay, and people started knowing them and liking them, and there just wasn't a problem anymore. Yeah, no problem. It goes away really really quickly, and I think if you want to look at what the world will see in uh, thirty years about America, we'll see stuff like. Uh, like gay marriage and this kind of amazing stuff on civil rights and compassion and all of that is moving ahead at just breakneck speed like it's never been done before and that people are being kinder to each other they're not beating each other as much they're not killing each other as much they're feeding each other more I mean if you want to sit down and cry and be miserable what you read on uh, read on Twitter well God bless you. But if you want to look at what's really happening to people day by day and your friends and the people around you, the people you love, we're doing pretty okay. And yes, we have an embarrassing nut in the White House. Eh, who cares? <laughs> Follow that. Can't. I mean, there, I mean, uh, I don't know when this started to matter so much. No. You know, the last president scared half the country to death. This president scares the other half to death. No, nobody, the, the president shouldn't have so much power that he can scare either, well, that's either also, side of us. That's the greatest news ever. Uh, Trump being in power, I think, will stop people from wanting the president to have more power for at least 20 years. <laughs> you know, maybe, hopefully. You know, I hope, I I hope mean, that's look at, true. Look at what's happening with uh, Congress trying to take back the power to... Uh, to to uh, to wage war, mm -hmm. wouldn't that be nice? Yes, it would. That was taken away from the pre all the stuff that happened in nine eleven. If we just made going to war more complicated with the president less power, maybe in ten years we'll look back and go that was a pretty good deal with I Trump. Think, I, <laughs> I think we're back at the time of about nineteen sixty eight, sixty eight, When did Revolution come out? Beatles. Sixty nine. Nineteen sixty nine. The scholar on this subject. Yeah, I yeah. know. But sixty nine. That's the answer to the radicals that are walking around saying Chairman Mao. Um, and that was their response. Mm -hmm. I think we're there. We just don't have a song about it, but I think we're there. I think people are saying, look, yeah, we want some things changed and we want to move forward and we want these great things. But, you know, you're walking around with Chairman Mao. You're walking around saying change the Constitution. I, I don't think so. I'm not going to give you money and give money to people who hate. 
either side just not going to do it. I think we're without the soundtrack. I think we're approaching that time. So the counter revolution is actually listening and not hating and actually trying to solve problems. Yeah, I wouldn't problems. say it's a counter revolution yet, but the seeds are there, and I think they're being watered by the hate. Yeah, by the hate, pushing people. People out. are just watching things burn and going. You know, I don't really want things to burn down. Yeah. I mean, things are. Although good. you know, before Trump. The idea of throwing a grenade in that a lot of people had was uh, an idea that was defensible. Now we, sh we saw what happened, and now we shook things up a lot, and now we gotta, we got to fix that up. I don't think we're done with that yet uh, on either side. I think the right, I think the left, there's a lot of people on the left that want that turn. Yeah. Oh, really? You want to throw a grenade in? I'll throw a grenade in. I got your grenade. Yeah, and yeah. I think that that's, you know, that's something to to consider, but I think the average person, go travel around the country. They're not talking about that stuff. Okay. The distorted C major chord with triplets at the top actually goes back to 53, I think, with Fats Domino, but that's not important. <laughs> Revolution, as he means it, was 69 by the Beatles. <laughs> that goes back earlier. <laughs> you just close this thing out. So this, this has been awesome. I'm a little exhausted right now. But thank you guys so much. It's thank been you. an awesome amount of fun. You're exhausted. Glenn and I could do another 30 hours. You know that. <laughs> should, should we just keep things rolling and see what happens? Say we just keep making our way down the floors. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Kibbe on Liberty. Be sure to subscribe and rate the podcast. Your ratings will help us reach even more people with our mostly honest conversations with mostly interesting people.